Hope is huge. Um, I lost hope for a while there. And that's really hard when you lose hope. But the hopeful part is that you, it's kind of within you, mm. right? Mm. So you what, can. What's within you? Hope. So okay. it doesn't have to come from anything else. It's inside of you. And hope can change your life. How'd you find it? Um, that's a really hard question. Hey, y'all. Put on your boots, grab your headphones, and let's get a little muddy as we build a community rooted in the love of dirt roads, whether dust or mud. Welcome to the Dust or Mud Podcast. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Duster Mud podcast. And if you didn't notice, if you're viewing this on the YouTube, we are in a different location. Yes, we are. Yeah. So after a few weeks of, well, 12, I guess it was, of standing at our bar, it got a little uncomfortable. We got tired of all of the sound equipment and lighting equipment and stuff being in the main part of our house. <laughs> so we decided to take our spare room and turn it into a permanent spot Yeah, for our podcast studio. Yeah. I like it. It's comfortable. Yeah. What do you think, Beck? Very nice. Very, yeah. very nice. I think it's going to work out. That yeah. way we don't have to set up everything. If you're listening to this and you want to know where we're sitting, go to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> But last week, we had the joy of talking to our youngest daughter, Michaela, yeah. about her homeschooling adventure. Yeah. She did a great job. Yeah. The, the thing that, that you, uh, the, you may not know is that we really didn't coach her. She just did it. Yeah. I mean, we talked to her. I sat down and talked to her just a little bit about the types of questions we would, we would ask her and just sort of coached her a little on, hey, if we ask you a bad question, please bail us out kind of thing. You know, if we, <laughs> yeah. if we ask you a yes or no question, please don't just say yes. Just keep, keep giving some information. So that was, that was about the extent of the coaching. And man, did she turn the tables on me that one time when she was like, so dad, how does this, how do you feel about blah, blah, blah? And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hang on a minute. I'm supposed to be the one asking the questions <laughs> here. Caught, I wasn't ready for this. It caught you way <laughs> off guard. <laughs> like, yeah. oh. She did a great job. She did a really good job for 11 years old. She handled her stuff really well. Yeah. And I think she's, she might have a future in YouTube. Yeah. She's a cool kid for sure. I know. Yeah, she did amazing. Yeah. So yeah, it was really, it was really, really fun. If you're interested in homeschooling and want to hear the story and experiences of someone who lives it and has lived it, uh, check out that episode. Yeah. Uh, so today's special guest is our oldest daughter, Rebecca. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, guys. <laughs> So Rebecca is now a Missourian. Yes. Right? And she is living here at, on the farm with us at Airground Farms. Yep. Yes. She farms a lot. Yes. I was almost about to say full time, but that's not the case much <laughs> anymore. We'll get to that though. Yeah. Um, let's see. So today we are going to, we're going to dive into your story. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, yeah, so we'll we'll 
start not all the way at the beginning. You know, we'll go back to basically military brat type of days. And I think by the end of it, we were, we're going to find a message of hope. Yeah. So that's that's what you can expect out of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, farm update. Rebecca, do you farm? Yes. Do you have any updates from this morning? Was there anything? Um, there was a duck out. We put the duck back in. Fairly standard. Fairly standard. standard. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, everything was super smooth. Everybody's really good. The pigs were real hungry, but that's not... Pigs were hungry? Oh, standard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was a good farming morning for sure. So this week... We processed our birds. We had a... Almost um, 100. Yeah, mm-hmm. an entire batch of, of beef chickens that were ready for processing, plus... Some that we had held to grow out a little bit more to um, cut up into parts and pieces. Yeah. So we were able to do that. We worked on that Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of last week. We had help. Mrs. Mrs. Auntie Fiat. Mrs. Auntie (laughs) Fiat, we thank you. Thank you so much for your help. And then my mom and dad came over and helped also. So, um, the additional help. additional help was was huge for getting everything done. So we put, I think we calculated just just under right at four hundred pounds of chicken into the freezer. Holy smokes! Yeah, it was good week. Really, yeah. really good. So that was not our chicken for folks. Though that chicken all went in bagged, processed, labeled. Uh, we weighed it, marked it, and that is all for sale. Yeah. So those folks in the state of Missouri, we sell that chicken to them, frozen whole birds and now frozen cuts. Yeah. Next time, that's our chicken. The next batch. The next the batch, <laughs> which yeah, so we will process. That's another part of the update. Is oh, right. Once those beef chickens moved out of the chicken tractor, we were able to take the chicks out of the big brooder, the beef chicks out of the big brooder and put them into the chicken tractor. Now we got the chicken tractor moved back up. We start them near the the, poultry shift. Yeah. We start them near the dogs when they're little, um, that that's better for predators and such. So, uh, we moved the the tractor back up the the pasture. And so Mm -hmm. got those guys moved out of the brooder onto um, onto the pasture, which freed up the big brooder and allowed us to move the layer chicks out of the, they were in a couple of smaller brooders. They moved out into the big brooder. <clears throat> and that leads us to where we are today with the chickens. I believe we're going to, um, probably as soon as we're finished recording, we're going to move the, well, when it stops raining, the layer chicks, <laughs> yeah, we'll move the layer chicks out of the brooder. We have an area set up for them mm-hmm. to go, uh, start living their life outside on the farm. Yay. Yeah. Out of the garage it's always <laughs> or the barn, I guess. It's always good whenever you get them on pasture. Yeah. That's real fun. They uh, like that a lot. They yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. We like that. Yeah. Seeing them get on out to where they belong yeah. out yeah. of confinement. Yeah. Ish. Um, another bit of a farm update is uh, our sales are up. Like we farm for us and we also farm in order to keep everything going. We farm as a direct to consumer business. And when you build a direct to consumer uh, food, especially meat business, it takes a minute to get things rolling and to gain those loyal customers. But 
man, it's really picked up this year and things are on the uptick as yeah. far as sales are concerned. Yeah. For the yeah, farm it's going itself. Really well. and as long as we keep selling meat, we get to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for other people. Yeah. Yeah. So super encouraging, yeah. you know, in that department. And we're going into winter with full freezers. That's awesome. Yes. So we won't we won't be processing as much. We still have one more batch of lambs that we will take to the processor. But outside of that, really for as far as farm sales go, the the that batch of lambs, outside of that, the Freezers are, are full or and ready for winter. Slam full. Yeah. Yes. And while you're speaking of winter, so we sell our product right now solely, well, not solely, but one of the primary places on Saturdays at the Ava Farmers Market. And that has just really been, it's been super awesome. It's been a huge blessing for us. And it's coming to an end next week. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. kind of bittersweet. Yeah. But it's sweet because we could use a rest. And it's bitter because, first of all, we don't get to see all of our customers that we enjoy seeing every week. And it's going to be more difficult to get the things that they want into their hands. So we came up with a plan. Yeah. And before the plan, it's not just customers. They're really becoming friends. They like are. We look forward to seeing I should have said it that way. Buy. And even, the, even when they don't or if they don't buy anything, just the standing there and talking is, at least for mm-hmm. me, surprisingly... Uh, and a very enjoyable part of <laughs> yeah. part of my my farming uh, life, yeah. which is which is neat. So the the where we're going in the future is we're going to start a Saturday morning drop site at the Ava Town Square. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you live in the area, please get on the website, uh, text us, call us, make an order, and we will make sure that you get everything that you need all winter long, uh, packaged up, custom order, delivered to your normal place that you like to pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to work out great. I hope so. Yeah, I I do too. I really do. I just want people to keep getting the things that they want and need for their freezers and their families Mm -hmm. and their table Yeah, uh, all winter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Since we grow something that we can do that. Yeah. It's kind of hard to do with cucumbers. <laughs> right. I get that. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's kind of the farm there update. There we go. This room is fascinating. Farm it's update's super closed. cool. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, farm update. Done. Check, check. Okay. Off we go. Back? Yeah. So let's let's dive in. Okay. You grew up a military brat. Yes. Pretty yeah. much your entire existence that you have real memory of. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you were you were three when we joined the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So um, just w- wanted to talk briefly about that experience, wh- how you felt as a, a military brat. Mm-hmm. I know it's a a at least from what I think it's mm-hmm. a, a part of a person's identity, definitely oh, for sure. as a as a kid growing up for being. Sure. That, that puts you in a different category, especially from most of the folks around here mm-hmm. who grow up in a small town. And uh, your mom us. and I yeah. understand that completely because mm-hmm. we grew up in a small town and the feel you make friends in kindergarten or preschool and those are your friends throughout the rest of your life, really. And yeah. that's a just our growing up was a bit different than your growing up. Mm-hmm. So we were hoping that maybe you would talk a little bit just you know, about that as a foundational um, part of your, who you are and and, and your mm. being and your nest. So military yeah. brat. 
Yeah. So being a military brat was super fun. Actually, we got to do a lot of traveling, got to see a lot of different cultures. Yeah. Um, and I think that the biggest thing that it's given me is adaptability um, because you're taken from one location, friend group, school, put into another place, don't always know where you're going, um, and you have to adapt. And so it's given me a lot of life skills in that way and the ease of making friends because you have to be able to make friends quickly because you don't know how long you're going to be there. Yeah. Um, and to kind of be able to fit in wherever you're placed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, you mentioned travel. Are there any travel <laughs> uh, locations or experiences that stand out to you? Yes. We went to Morocco and stayed in Spain. Yeah. Um, we went to Ireland. We have traveled all over really did a lot of England we were going pretty much every weekend somewhere right. <laughs> so yeah just lots of places so what was your favorite oh gosh um that time that we stayed in the villa in Spain was really fun with all of our friends and yes, that was, was a good one, that one was epic. <laughs> Yeah, we were able to uh, get together with a, a few other couples and families and rented out an entire villa. There, We got enough of us together that the price point came down enough <laughs> that we were We had our to, own private swimming pool. Yeah, two different two, pools. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, it was huge. It was nice. It was really nice. Yeah, it and was awesome. it was just, it was, it was an epic, I think it was a spring break. Yeah. Yeah, that one was good. That was a good Not trip. on the Mediterranean, but very near. Yeah. 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 That was fun. Yeah. It was yeah. Cool. It was like we had our own hotel just for our own people. <laughs> was, yeah, right? That yeah. was, was a huge. good one. That was yeah. a good one. Good. good. Yeah. Uh, least favorite situation? Experience? Um, the time that we were, I loved our trip to Ireland, but let me just paint a picture for you. So we show up to a hostel. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this one. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so we show up to a hostel and you would think like you're staying in a place they may have like, you know, towels for you to shower with. Well, no, they didn't. And there was nowhere nearby. I guess Ireland doesn't sell towels. And so we got some dish towels and showered and dried off with our dish towels in the hostel. We did because, yeah, because, because your parents... <laughs> Because Americans don't understand hostels, Hostel. I think. No, we did not. No. We didn't, we didn't understand. You should no. probably pack your own sheets and towels. Yeah, and yeah it's barely space to stay, and you shouldn't yeah. probably take a whole family there. We, we learned that. But, you know, hey, experiences. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that wasn't my favorite either experience. Yeah, but, you know, I did keep those dish towels oh, for yes, a really long did. time. Yeah. They're really good, very absorbent. <laughs> A lot of great memories. It doesn't take many, actually, to dry off. Oh, right. <laughs> many dish towels to dry your body. No. No. Who would think that you can't find a bath towel or even a beach towel of any sort in the little towns in Ireland? It was, it, we were flabbergasted. It wasn't, it wasn't towel season. <laughs> I guess not. Europe is so different with their stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Do you remember, remember the time when we tried to buy a fan? <laughs> well, we, we needed a fan for our bedroom when we first moved yeah. to England because it was so cricket quiet. And we were it like, was like November. Oh, and it was November. And we needed a fan to make noise because we didn't have phones that did this at the time. You know, make your little app noises that didn't exist. And we were looking for a fan. They were like, oh, sorry. <laughs> no. uh, fans are for the summertime. Fans are for the summertime. <laughs> 
They're they're in a we did find a bits and fancy. So we found a bits and bobs store, That's and right. they went into their attic and found us a and fan. found us a fan. They felt so that, that bad. For they us. felt that bad for us. They were able to find one, so they do exist. They're just. Put I don't. Why didn't we just go to the BX and look at for a box fan at the BX? The, yeah, well, they didn't have any. Oh, England was fresh out of fans. It wasn't fancy. Almost. <laughs> we got the we got the last fan in England that year. Yeah. <laughs> oh so, my goodness! So yes, so stories been, must not have been towel season in <laughs> oh Ireland God. when we were at the hostel. <laughs> so, all right, that that makes sense. You also lived in Korea. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting time. Yep, yep, yeah, that was interesting for everyone. Yeah. We don't have to go into all that. No. Nope. So, <laughs> at one point, we lived uh, at Maxwell Air Force Base in Montgomery. Yes. Uh, for your pretty much last bit of high school, mm-hmm. you went. You were at one of the high schools near there and um, kind of wound up staying there yeah, in that area. I did. Yeah. So um, I stayed for a couple years after that, got married. Um, and then he joined the air force and we moved to Washington state. To the great city of Spokane. Spokane, yes. So why did he join the Air Force? So t- you you skipped Kinda. a lot of stuff right in there. Yeah. Okay. I think we can we can dive into just a little just bit. A little um, bit. Yeah. yeah, just for a good, stable job. Mm-hmm. Um, we were married for a year before he joined the Air Force, and we had a hard time keeping jobs at that time. It was um, just really challenging time. Um, and so it seemed like a good source of income with good benefits and, um, yeah. So, so a lot of, a -hmm. lot of military brats are in the, at least what you hear about is in the no way, never will I ever be associated with the military again. Mm -hmm. And that didn't happen for our family, which is a little bit, a, a little bit strange, um, yeah. Because growing up, no one had any kind of um, inkling. Like all of you girls, when asked what you would do when you wanted to grow up, no one talked about the military. Right. So um, you were influential, I believe, at least in in him joining the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Like what what happened for you to to make it an okay thing, like and not not be the standard, I don't want anything to do with the military? Well, I think it was just a really good experience for me. And it was a really stable environment. And I think at that time, we were lacking stability. And so I knew that that was a safe, stable place. That seems like an oxymoron to have said, "We, I'm, I'm very adaptable because mm-hmm. I move around a lot and I don't know how long I'm going to be at a place mm-hmm. and I can make friends quickly. Yes. So you just explained that, but then you said it was stable. So help, yeah. help folks like so tie, tie those together. The stability. So there is the adaptability with the moving and your, in, your direct environment, but then there's the stability of your community and your job and insurance and the things that you rely on. You know, you're going to have a roof over your head you're not, you know, going without because you have a steady paycheck. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. So you, influential in the the path to get into the military. Mm-hmm. Any challenges making that happen? Like getting everything going in that military direction? Um, A little bit, but, you know, we overcame. Yeah. And, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So life at Fairchild. 
Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, would go out camping pretty much every weekend. We would um, had a lot of good friends. That was yeah. really fun. Oh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, so what for me, oh. Fairchild was not that. <laughs> That's where survival, evasion, resistance, and escape training, SEER training is for mm -hmm. the Air Force. And man, I remember the first time we went and visited you. Uh, we we drove over to the SEER area, and I broke out in sweats. Man. Yes, you did. So Fairchild was not was that a, experience was, for me. Yeah, <laughs> it was very influential. Yes, for you. Yes, it, it was. It had a lot of impact. A lasting, a lasting, lasting, impact. lasting impact. I think I, I would think still break out in sweats. PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, a little, a little deeper into Spokane, mm -hmm. you worked in a hospital. Yes. You wound up finding a job because you had worked in a hospital previously in mm -hmm. Florida. You really enjoyed that and kind of were headed down the the path of being in. Healthcare administration. Yes. So what did you do when you were working there at that very large hospital? Yeah. So at first I started off in registration, which is what I had done previously. Um, and then I worked my way into financial counseling, um, which was like helping get insurance and financial assistance for people who were underinsured or uninsured, helping them get the treatments and care that they needed um, to so that's a huge live role. a good life. Yeah. That's a mm -hmm. huge role a big impact on the recipient on the mm -hmm. other end. It was an amazing job. I loved it. Yeah. The opportunity to, what, what were, just like one scenario of what that, that type of job, what did you experience? Um, so like people would come in for an emergency and, or like a baby would be born and be sent to our NICU unit and have to receive a new heart. Right. Oh, that's and expensive. then they don't have any insurance. And then we were able to get them insurance and then get the rest that wasn't covered by insurance covered by financial assistance because where I worked was a nonprofit hospital and they were able to give money okay. to the patients. It seems like potentially some stress in that job. It was very stressful. Yeah. How come? Um, because you want everyone to be well. Yeah. Mm. And that's not always the case. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were working at that hospital mm -hmm. and bebopping yourself around one day. Yes. Right? And talk talk to us about that that one day. Yeah. So I was going to go help someone in the emergency room um, who was uninsured. And I took the stairs because I always took the stairs. Because it's better for you. Because it's better for you. You got to take the stairs. You got to be healthy. Take That's the right. stairs. Right. And I tripped at the very top of the step. And my feet caught one another. And I went over, um, kind of didn't hit any steps on the way down, just kind of went over and landed at the bottom of the landing on my head on concrete. And got a traumatic brain injury. And life changed. Life changed a lot. Yeah. So it, I spent about a year in outpatient rehab. Um, almost every day going to some sort of therapy or another. Um, trying to regain my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because you had... Wasn't it front, back, front? Mm -hmm. So you had brain bleed on the front and mm -hmm. on the back. And 
the vestibular therapy. Yep. The was huge ocular therapy. Mm-hmm. To talk talk to us about some of the effects. Like yeah. What, what um, happened? So it would make me very um, dizzy. Mm-hmm. Um, just to do anything, to roll over in bed, I would want to throw up. I had intense migraines, super intense migraines. My vision was tunnel vision. Um, I lost my taste for about two years in my saliva. Um, I was very off balance. I couldn't really walk. I couldn't go into a store. I couldn't drive. Um, you lost your license for a year, right? I lost my license for a year. Yep. Um, and I couldn't really read. Um, and you were in college at the time. I was in college at the time. And you managed to finish the classes somehow or another that you yeah. were in. Mm-hmm. But I did not finish. I didn't go back the next term. Right. Yeah. It just wasn't possible. No, not at all. Yep. And so I did occupational therapy, uh, relearning motor skills because my t- reaction times were super, super slow. Um, I did vision therapy. I did uh, physical therapy, massage therapy. I was in a seat collar for about a month because um, I hurt my neck as in my back had a a back brace too. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was a heck of a fall. Yes, it was. Yeah. And what? How many years was that? What year was that 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 happened? Twenty eighteen. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. October of eighteen. Wow. Mm hmm. Yeah. So what did that mean for your job that you enjoyed? Um, I didn't go back. Yeah. Never went back. You were on long-term disability, mm-hmm. short-term disability. Thankfully, I had paid into some right. disability insurance, right. so that helped a lot right. along the way. Yeah. And you never know when something like that's going to happen. So that's what you right. pay into those insurances for, you know? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Mm. So that was life, literally life altering. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I struggled a lot with mental health afterwards Mm. too, because I felt like I lost my worth and that was a real struggle. Because part of that you were headed towards, I want to run my own hospital. Yes. I I want to be the President, yeah. president. Yes. Of the hospital. And I had about one semester left for my bachelor's degree. And you were even talking about, I can go and get my PhD in yep. healthcare administration mm-hmm. and do this. Yeah. And you had every bit of all of the, all of the things in a row mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Yeah. And then you didn't, then it was just not going to happen. Correct. Yep. So in the, just mentally mental turmoil on I'm not even that person anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Had to re-identify myself. Mm. Yep. And that, you can't do that overnight. No. 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 That's a long road. It it took a while. Yeah. So during that time, you fought depression? Yes. Yep. Yep. There were even some times when you had to be institutionalized because it was so, so bad. Yeah, it was very severe. Um, yeah, I spent a couple of weeks at a time in and out of hospitals for about two years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I didn't want to live, and that was a hard place to be. And 
I wound up getting on a lot of medications, um, which was really hard on my body, um, but necessary probably at the time. Not Probably not to the extent that they medicated me, but um, that, was, that was rough, and it took a toll on my marriage, and um, it was rough. So during that period of time, you just said took a toll on my marriage, but during that period of time, um, in and out of mental health struggles, Mm -hmm. ups and downs, Mm -hmm. in and out, um, he was your support system though. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, Came home from a deployment and- Started taking you to all of the appointments, making sure that that was... Oh, yeah. That you were... He did great. Yeah, in that Mm -hmm. aspect. But things like this traumatic events in our lives across the board can take a toll on relationships. Yeah. They they really... It really does. Do you feel like there was a transition there of maybe... Maybe that started started the decline of the relationship that where he maybe went from being a spouse to more of a caregiver or parent. And then that never really seemed to go away. I I think that's true. Um, Yeah. I don't know the turning point, but yeah. Mm. I, that's, I, I don't know that that's uncommon. Yeah. When people are thrown into those types of roles. Yeah. Unexpectedly that they, that they step up and then, them quite know when to step down. Yeah. Mm. So as you navigated your mental health, mm-hmm. uh, you guys moved? Yes. Away from there? Yeah. Uh, you were there for six years in Spokane. So all of this, at this, all during this time, we're talking about you're still living in Spokane, mm-hmm. way away from all friends, family. I mean, you had your own yeah. friends there, but you were away from family, far away. Your dad mm-hmm. was still in the Air Force at the time. We were, but I had Michaela. So we were like not even very helpful because mm-hmm. he was doing his thing. I couldn't just dump and run. Right. Because we were not empty nesters. We had also another child. And so you guys were doing your thing. Yeah. Uh, and you guys, then we were kind of seeing maybe something else needs to happen. And you guys were able to move closer to us. Yes. And you moved to Maryland mm-hmm. to be stationed near Andrews. And that was kind of good, getting yeah. closer to family. Yeah. To help. For sure. To help your mental state and mm-hmm. and and help support him, right? In supporting you, yes. Uh, you were there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We were there, and then we left, mm-hmm. and that wasn't so probably very helpful. No. Uh, but what we didn't know is we were going to the Ozarks. Heck yeah! <laughs> right? Yeah. What we didn't know was, so were you. Yes. <laughs> Nobody knew. Huh? No, we didn't. Um, so some, somewhere in there, you had a bit of a food struggle as well, right? Mm. When did, talk us through that. Like, when did that start? How bad did that get? What What were your 
thoughts, feelings. What what happened there with your food? relationships with food over oh, time? Yeah, yeah, my relationship that, with food, all of that. Um. So when I lost my taste, I didn't really like to eat very much, which was kind of understandable. And I was vegan at the time, so I really didn't eat very much at all. I got super skinny. And then whenever I uh, was on all those medications, um, I gained a lot of weight and I was not eating healthy at all because I got so thin that Well, you were like a zero, weren't you? Yeah, I got super, super thin. And then I was like... But not healthy thin. Not healthy thin, no. And then I kind of just said, forget it. If I can't be vegan, because I was told that I couldn't be vegan, then what's the point in eating healthy at all? And I didn't find a balance. I kind of went off a little bit and was eating a lot of fast food and got super unhealthy, gained about 100 pounds, was very overweight. Um, I had high blood pressure and prediabetes um, and was just super unhealthy. Do you think that contributed at all to the, some of the mental health things? I do. Were they like going hand in mm-hmm. hand? Was was For one sure. causing the other or do you think they just sort of fed off of each other? I think it fed off of each other in a bad sort of spiral. Hmm. Yeah. And you were somebody who was always, I mean, you ran cross country. Yeah. You were always fairly, you were always athletic. You mm-hmm. were fit. You were super into being healthy. Oh, Yeah. Pretty much always, except for just about two years. (laughs) So that a a lot of that, and with the mental health struggles, and the food, the relationship with the food, the incongruency, right, which was the struggle as well. Your values say Mm -hmm. one thing, and you're doing another thing. Yeah, and that incongruency between what our values are and who we really are and what we're doing Mm -hmm. causes some serious turmoil. It does. Yeah. That is sure. cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. At its when finest. I, when I believe one thing, but I'm doing something yeah. else. Yeah. And right. I think that probably made it worse, too. And from a mental health perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so when, after we had left, when you were in Maryland now alone, mm-hmm. mental health issues and struggles continue? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they continued and got quite a bit worse. And then um, my marriage got real bad and I decided to leave. So there was a... a, It was a moment. There was a moment. Mm -hmm. There was a a phone call, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I said something to you that really pissed you off. Yeah, you said you must like it. And I did not... So well, it kind of, <laughs> it snapped you like, yeah. wait a minute. Of course I don't like it. Yeah. And I think his point was you must like it or, or you would leave Yeah, the situation. Yeah. And it, that's hard. Mm. It was the hardest thing that I've ever done. No doubt. By far. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. So there are some there are some folks that talk about motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, most recently listened to Alex Hormozzi talk about it mm. and the fact that not all motivation is positive motivation. Mm-hmm. So right. um, something that really angers you 
can mm-hmm. be motivation also. Yeah. So use that anger. Talk talk a little bit about the if if that was the hardest thing you've ever done. Mm-hmm. Take a take some moments and talk us through how you were able to do it then. Like how do you go from I'm here to I'm now deciding to leave? Like the the thought process, the the physical processes, like what what actually happened to uh, allow you to do that hardest thing you've ever done? Um, family support. Um, I was told that I had a place to go. I was able to utilize a vehicle. I, my ex-spouse helped me pack. Like, we made that decision that it was probably best, um, for both of us, really, if we kind of went our separate ways because it was pretty toxic at that time. Um, and the family support that I had was just absolutely incredible. Um, everyone was there for me and really made it smooth. Hmm. Not easy. Not easy, but it, it went smoothly. Hmm. Yeah. And that began your transition to the Ozarks. It did. So I got here almost a year and a half ago and at that time I was about 100 pounds overweight and very <laughs> miserable <laughs> in these We're hills farming. guys let me tell you 100 pounds overweight I haven't not worked out in a long time walking up and down these hills oh, whoop you in shape real quick like <laughs> I'm gonna move sheep <gasps> oh, okay. God. oh you were slow I know. You were you couldn't hardly lift your leg up to get over the like the not. net, you know? Yeah. And uh, now I can no I don't even have to push the fence down, just hold the bucket and lift it up windmill and over. over yeah. It. yeah. Right. Yeah, you had to like push the net down net and help down. you over. Yeah. Patience was what was on Oh, every- you guys had so much patience <laughs> with me. But I kept showing up. You no, did. you did. That's and that right. makes that makes it really easy for these supporters in any mm-hmm. situation when you're supporting someone and you see the potential of what can be mm-hmm. if they keep showing up mm-hmm. for themselves every day mm-hmm. and making even if it's the smallest little bit of percent of progress mm-hmm. getting up we're going to do this just getting up right and when you keep showing up, man, that makes it easy. Like, we're going to do this again tomorrow. And it, it, you don't, patience is a hard. Yeah. Because you see the hope. Right. I see what can be. It's not difficult for me. Right. And it it seemed at least that you found um, drive or a place or describe it, what farming did for you there. Oh, the peace in my soul was intense. And there's a different kind of tired, like I've worked all day and I'm tired and I'm tired because I need peace and the farming and the being with the animals and being around my family and having support all put me at peace. And so in that peaceful place, I was able to show up for myself every single day so that I could show up for the people around me and just make some serious moves in life. It seemed to happen quickly to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah, it did. Seemed that way to me too. Yeah. Yeah, I I just had a serious mindset shift um, that 
I'm going to show up every single day, every day. And when you showed up, though, you were on a lot of medicines. Oh, like, yeah. Like I a was, lot, like, well, hello, is anybody home? Yeah. Almost like a walking zombie. Yeah. yeah, I was really sedated. I had doctor's care mm-hmm. and slowly with doctors helping me came down off of all of those medications, except for one. I still have one medication, yeah. but. So I remember that doctor telling you mm-hmm. after you were, what you were doing, where you were, what you had done, the decisions you had made, the environment that you're now in. And he told you before he, he's, he was walking you down, mm-hmm. but before you got to like almost nothing, he told you, what, what do you remember what he told you? About there's nothing. There is no medication that I can prescribe you that is going to help you as much as all of these lifestyle changes you've made. And one of those had to do with food also, right? Yes. So I adopted a ketogenic grain-free diet. Sugar-free. Sugar-free. Yep. And are you're still? Yes. Sugar-free. Yes. Grain-free. Yes. For about a year and a half now. Yep. And I've lost 90 pounds. Yep. Got my... And it was it hard? No. So talk to us about the restrictive diet and massive amounts of exercise that it took to lose the 90 right. pounds. Right. So I eat as much of as much as I want within the guidelines. And this is the healthiest relationship with food that I've ever had because the meat I'm eating comes from a sustainable humane source here at the farm and um I've kind of struggled with my food throughout my life like what's the best way to be and I just want to make good decisions and this has allowed me space to not feel hungry all the time and it's just like I'm always satisfied so we'll chase a rabbit just a little yeah. bit on that. When you say I've always struggled with food, mm-hmm. the the issues you were having with it was how the animals were raised and treated mm-hmm. and and such. Right? Yeah, and since so I was small, something something about being here mm-hmm. changed that for you. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so just how nicely the animals are raised, and um, I know they have a good life and. It's the treatment of the animals while they're alive that was what really was getting to me, not necessarily the fact that they become food. Um, That wasn't what bothered me so much as just inhumane treatment during life. Got it. Is that common? I think so, yeah. With people who choose not to eat Mm -hmm. meat? Yeah. So potentially a, a source of humanely raised meat. Mm-hmm. could maybe be life-changing for others as well. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find a local farmer. Check out your local farmers. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. we can't pound that enough. Yeah. Hmm. So you, you're not in the healthcare profession anymore. You almost no. kind of thought about it. I thought about it, but I actually started working retail. Yeah. Yep, and I love it. Nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a completely different career path. Oh, it's so fun, though. Yes. Yeah? Low stress. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in charge of whether or not the infant gets a heart. No, don't not anymore. Kind of stress in my life. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. That's fair. It has a place. It does have a place. But you are working yourself into and are at the just starting management. Yes. Yep. So I just got a management, low level, lowest level management position. Um, hey, you got to... <laughs> I don't, I don't think that they, <laughs> anybody gets above that without doing that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's a start on a path yeah. and yeah. I'm very excited for it. Um, and the place I work, I'm working at the Ava Walmart and the crew that we have, just the whole store is absolutely incredible. I love all my coworkers and we have a really good time. And so we've, we've talked in the past about the community in mm-hmm. the community that we have here in the Ozarks it, from our perspective. Right. Your perspective is a little bit different just mm-hmm. because you have a full-time job off of the farm where we spend all of our time on the farm. Right. So your community is a little different than ours. Talk about your community. Oh, gosh. Everyone's always there for each other. Um, we all say hi and talk and chat and we have our regular customers that come in and they like to talk and everybody likes to talk, (laughs) (laughs) but they allow us space for that, which is really cool. So we are able to provide excellent customer service. We're able to have really good relationships with the people that we work with and just really truly making great friends. And they're more like a work family than coworkers to me. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's encouraging and it makes it fun to go to work oh, whenever so whenever you like the people there. Yeah. And it's like that. Yeah. It's great. It makes you want to keep going back. I do. <laughs> hmm. Um. And I'm in school again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So Walmart is actually paying for me to finish my bachelor's degree. So you competed for in some kind of lottery to win that? No. Oh. <laughs> no. That, that Walmart scholarship? Yeah. So Walmart will uh, pay for you to go to school through the schools that they partner with and will take you all the way from a GED or high school diploma all the way up through a bachelor's degree. There's also trade schools you can go to. I think this is a little known fact about that corporation. Yeah. We did not know that. So you have to be full-time? Nope. Any amount of time that you work at Walmart, you can get those benefits. So you have to be uh, like any job also? Yes. Any job at Walmart, any amount of like part-time, full-time. So if you do not have your bachelor's degree, go work at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. If you're looking for education benefits, especially for or free education, if you're working there and didn't know, it is available to you. It is. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. That mm-hmm. is so cool. And I'm going through Purdue, which is a pretty well-known school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going for business administration. Nice. So how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Accounting's kicking my butt, but other than that, it's going pretty good. You didn't say you wanted to be an accountant. No, I don't. <laughs> you just have to get through the class. I do. Yeah. We'll pass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you're just a different person than you were when you got here a year and a half ago. Yeah. So on, on the podcast, we focus on food, freedom, farming. Mm-hmm. We've talked a bit about farming and food. Mm-hmm. 
what is what does freedom mean to you here? Um, I think that the freedom is huge. I'm free of not being like a slave to my food. That's huge to me. I'm free of 90 pounds of weight that I'm not lugging around every day. Um, I've got freedom in my community. And as you guys have mentioned, the interdependence provides freedom. Um, And so like I've got support systems, huge, excellent support systems. Um, And yeah, just, and I'm able to just kind of do my own thing. That's cool. It's pretty cool. So you you said something at the beginning that uh, we, we got to dig into a little bit. You mm-hmm. said I'm I'm free from my food. Yes. Does that mean you don't eat? No. Um. I don't have cravings. I'm not thinking about constantly what my next food is going to be. It's not a thing for me. Like, and I just live within the guidelines of what. I know is healthy for me and um, then I can just eat whatever I want within the guidelines. So a little bit of a, a preview to our mm-hmm. next week's episode. Yes, we'll talk a bit about our food journey. Yeah. But when you say you eat what's healthy for you, that means a low fat, medium protein, high carbohydrate, standard American, follow the food food pyramid, grains are on the bottom. That means you eat the most of those. No, No. I I eat a high fat, moderate protein, low carb diet. I think by definition, you would be a very low carbohydrate diet. Yes, very low. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think the standard American diet is somewhere around 300 grams of carbs a day. I'm and at about if you 10. get yeah, if you get below a hundred, I think they consider that a low carb. Oh, okay. And so I like anything below, I think about thirty yeah. is a very low carb. And I so don't I don't even do a lot of veg. I think you're on the low end, a mm-hmm. very low yeah. carb actually. Yeah. And and that that does something inside our bodies, and mm-hmm. maybe yeah, maybe like a as we're thinking about next week. This can help us. Oh on, yeah, on what we want to Guide talk about. But, yeah. but we we absolutely understand what you're talking about about yeah. not not being a slave to the food anymore. Yeah. And yeah. it's a it's a really it is really freedom. amazing freeing feeling to yeah. not be a slave to food. So mm-hmm. that that's that's really mm-hmm. really cool. And we absolutely understand what you're talking about. Yeah, and cutting out the sugar was huge for my mental health. Mm. Huge. I think that. Do you really think you can draw that correlation? I do. How? Um, Because that's when I, I mean, I changed my diet and everything, and then I was able to come off of all of the medications. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Mm -hmm. It was a part of my lifestyle shift. Was that, was that, was your doctor saying, no, that has nothing to do with it, or was he encouraging you? He was encouraging me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He thought that that would be mm-hmm. a, a, a beneficial thing to do yes. as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Really cool. Mm-hmm. And then farming. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Um, as you, as we, farming is a hard thing every day, 
but it is a good thing yeah. every day. Um, that also, just the exercise. Mm-hmm. What else did the farming add to your, as you, re, as you restructured and rebuilt your, your identity in, with the food mm-hmm. and the freedom? What did the farming, just, just the connection with the animals? Yeah, or? and knowing where my food's coming okay. from is huge for me. Okay, so just back, yeah. to, back to that. Yeah. Uh, so when we first started, we were talking about hope and believe that the listener or viewer would find, see hope in the story, insights and what it means for you, mm-hmm. hope. Hope is huge. Um, I lost hope for a while there. And that's really hard when you lose hope. But the hopeful part is that you, it's kind of within you, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. So you can. What's within you? Hope. So it doesn't have to come from anything else, it's inside of you. And. Hope can change your life. How'd you find it? Um, that's a really hard question. I think I was so desperate that I didn't have any other choice, really, if I wanted to keep going. And then was able to just completely turn it around with the hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any lessons learned from your journey that someone else might benefit from? Um, Believe in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it would be hard to do in the place that you were, as we were describing it, on on lots of medications, overweight, feeling worthless. Mm -hmm. Somehow, though, you you've said believe in yourself and i found hope like somehow let's dig deeper how mm-hmm. how did you do that how like wh- what where was it you said it was in you like mm-hmm. but there was a time there when you didn't feel like it was yeah so like what what happened like draw take us through a journey if you can from i am hopeless worthless overweight right like mm-hmm. that the that that description to i i have hope like, it it was a slow journey there wasn't like a light that switched like i made a decision i'm like okay i'm going to show up for myself today and then the next day i had to show up for myself that day there's not enough for tomorrow but i have enough for today so just showing up starting at that starting point and just showing up for yourself that day what does that mean, showing up for yourself? Um, like caring about yourself mm-hmm. and your well-being and making decisions that support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do, do you think that's first step in a journey mm-hmm. of hope. Mhm. Yeah. So somewhere in there you found like or maybe even love for yourself? Mhm. Absolutely. Yeah, I love myself now. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you remember how 
if it wasn't a, a switch, was it truly just a decision? Uh, yeah, it was just a decision. Mm-hmm. That I will start caring for myself and mm-hmm. then maybe from that, maybe I can like myself. Yep. And so. I have value. Yep. It didn't start with I have value, but it worked into it. Mm. So step one was I'm going to take care of myself today. Yep. Mm-hmm. I will take care of myself today and make my decisions and that support taking care of myself. That seems to me like it would take a huge amount of strength coming from where you were to make a decision like that. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Do you have any advice for somebody else who might be facing the same or similar adversities as you faced? Um, you can do it. It's hard. It's really hard, but it gets so much better. So much better. There is hope. Yeah. So take somebody through that first step. Is it brushing your hair? I mean, seriously. I think it's different for every person. There's no magic answer for that. That person just needs to decide what they need to do for themselves. Got it. Because... Do you think inside mm -hmm. your brain that when you're going through something like that, that you know? Yeah. You know what that thing is? Or you know what those things are? I think so. And if you could do one thing and then maybe Mm -hmm. another thing and then another, you get the ball rolling? Yes towards better care for yourself yes yep like when you're in the middle of the the crap do you know the p- missing pieces i did i think i did i knew okay. what i needed to do you did okay. yeah maybe everybody doesn't yeah but- yeah Again, I think that's amazing because mm-hmm. of all of the medications that you were I on. Know. Just put you in a state state of brain fog. Yeah. It was for you to be able yeah. to find that in yourself mm-hmm. and somehow overcome the sedation to make to, to have the strength to make the decision right. in that foggy sedated state mm-hmm. to say I'm going to care for myself. Yeah. That's huge. It was slow. Mm-hmm. It I was remember slow. the first time you laughed again. <laughs> she has a really loud, when she laughs, like really belly laugh. It's a loud, obnoxious laugh. And that one time you did it and I'm like, oh my gosh. She's back. She's she's kind of, maybe she's back. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It was great. It took a long time. Yeah. It was, I mean, it took a minute, yeah. but it was. A couple months. Yeah, it was months. Yeah. Yeah, it was months. And. The reduction of a lot of meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before you had the, your brain even had the capacity. It was so sedated. Yeah. So now you're living in the Ozarks, building yourself yes. a life. You stayed with us for a little while. We can just kind of tidy, just put a little bow around this, um, this story. You were living in, in this, this room and <laughs> she moved out and now it's not that anymore. Yeah. You called it the sped um. Land of, Land spare, of spare, um, um, Sorry. For those of you that have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. So um, I always mess things up. It's fine. Anyway, uh, you lived in here for a while. You hung out with us for a year while you yeah. really we gave you the opportunity to just 
get yourself strong enough. Yes. To where you could go, okay, I'm myself again. Yeah. I'm ready to go be myself again. Yes. And just about a month ago, you put an RV up in the spot where our RV used yes. to be. And now have your own spot in the world. I do. And your own little tiny house, which was, has been your dream and <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. To live in a small space in a, you know, very just not, I guess you're a, you're a bit of a minimalist, so yeah. not a maximum situation. Right. So that's really congruent with your values. It is. And so you've got your own spot up there. Mm -hmm. You're getting promotions at work. You're in college. You do your own life. Yeah. You are just out there. Killing it. <laughs> killing it. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. On your revival? healing process yeah it is. is a process yeah you're not you're not over it no you're i i think life is a process and not yeah. i mean we all every day we're you got to get up and show up and brush your hair oh yeah all of us every single day mm -hmm. but the hope that you display is absolutely phenomenal it's encouraging mm -hmm. contagious yeah <laughs> it really is yeah. people hear your story they see you and they're just wowed by it yeah and we couldn't be um couldn't be happier for you and proud of thank you you're doing good thanks really good thank you yeah any any last you've done some good stuff kid for your journey of hope I think that pretty much covers it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. For this. Thanks. Um, before we go any, oh, almost got me there, y'all. Don't <laughs> do that. Uh, let's do some. Did you know? Okay. Let's lighten this thing up a little bit. Did I'm sure know? this will lighten it up, right? Here we go. So, you'll like this. Did you know? Last weekend, I was looking at the news sites to see whether or not the nation was at war, and I came across a headline that I could not resist on Fox News, and it was, your diabetes risk may double if you eat this food twice a week, say Harvard researchers, by Melissa Rudy, published October 21st, 2023, Fox News. First line. Just two servings of red meat per week can increase the risk of developing type 2 diabetes, a new study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition revealed. Swapping the red meat for plant-based proteins by comparison was linked to reduced diabetes risk, the study found. Those who consumed the highest amount of red meat were 62% more likely to develop type 2 diabetes compared to those who ate the least amount. Um, all red meats drove up the, the risk. They um, quoted an author of the study, the first author, Zhao Gu, postdoctoral research fellow in the Department of Nutrition at Harvard, um, was the, the person that they quoted in the article. One of the things he said was, we employed advanced methods 
to take into account possible errors in reporting dietary intake, and we controlled in detail for extraneous factors that might account for our findings. Okay, so historically, when they do these studies, they have to ask people to do a food diary, write Mm -hmm. down everything that you eat. Outside of that, it's very difficult to do a long-term, multi-thousands of people here, take this, and over over the next 10 years, please write down everything that you (laughs) eat, drink. Yeah, this one, this study was 30 years. It was 30 years long. Yeah. So it was 30 years long, (laughs) and these people wrote down everything they ate for 30 years. No, but they took into account. Oh, see, that's where their advanced methods come in. Advanced. Yes, it, this is even this is even a bigger lie than statistics. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> I, I, I assume they used statistics. Well, I'm sure to they get did there. use statistics to so get there. But I'm the sorry. Things, yes, go. <laughs> one of the things that we found was that particular school at Harvard, the postdoc. Mm-hmm wasn't the actual author of the study. The actual author of the study was Dr. Walter Willett. And he is well known for being the author of lots of different vegetarian or vegan studies. And in 2019, the Nutrition Coalition um, looked into one Dr. Willett, based on one of his other studies, the Eat Lancet study, Mm -hmm. and their summary was that he has multiple serious potential conflicts of interest, which cast doubt on his ability to bring an unbiased viewpoint to the question of whether a vegan slash vegetarian diet is preferable for good health. So he is a a known um, supporter of, advocate for, veganism or vegetarianism Mm -hmm. to include the fact that he's written uh, multiple diet books, vegetarian diet books. So his school at Harvard receives anywhere from, you know, almost a million to a million and a half dollars of funding from... Anytime you see these types of, this type of research with this sort of inflammatory... Uh, information, in my opinion, yeah, just my opinion. But when you see something that's so far over here, the first question should be, who's funding? Who funded the mm-hmm. study? And who really wrote this up? Yeah, so follow the dollars. Follow signs. the dollars every On time. This one, it is food corporations that benefit from a vegetarian diet, as well as multiple pharmaceutical companies, actually. Mm. That so would- plant-based protein people? For I mean, the for the the, um, the food industry, yeah, people? for the food industry, yep. Mm-hmm. And then the pharmaceuticals, uh, I I can't imagine that they would be throwing money at a study that would put them out of business. Right, right. Yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. What it that you know, business wise. <laughs> yeah. So the, we are not here to advocate for any kind of diet. We're just pointing out crappy journalism. Yeah, I think that was the thing that got to me the the worst was that an an author at a, a news site that at least claims to be fair and balanced mm. would grab a study off of the the news reels, however they come through. They added a few words, three stock photos mm. from iStock, like didn't even go take a picture of anything. Right. They just searched online for three different stock photos of someone eating a steak. 
yeah. and someone pricking their finger to do a, a blood test. Red meat and diabetes. And, and then threw it down as factual when even just a little bit of investigative journalism would have... Two had, clicks. Would have... Yeah. It took... Two clicks. I'm, I'm not an investigative journalist, no. right? And neither are no. you. And between the two of us, it took us, I don't know, 45 seconds to find that the the study was actually authored by Willett mm-hmm. and he's controversial as a as a right. anything other than a supporter of, of vegetarianism or veganism. So I mean, even just a little bit of journalism, I think would have made a much better story saying calling out Harvard and this particular school for publishing yeah. a study by an author with known ties to vegetarianism. Like that to me would have been a much better story than just causes diabetes. I wonder if this is somehow tied to the the whole, I don't know, larger picture of them just kind of wanting to make meat go away. Not necessarily saying it's bad for you, but it just needs to go away. Well, I, I think, I think short answer. Yes. Uh huh. Um, I, this particular journalist maybe not yeah. but from an overall perspective the get rid of meat certainly fits the bill for yeah. what the progressives are wanting to do with the world eat bugs yeah plant-based protein go check it out the world economic forum agenda 2030 go check it out just google it yeah if you want to if you're interested in what some of the people who do have money in this world are kind of wanting, the, well, the direction that they're absolutely wanting the world to go, please just go to their website. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's all written out right there. Yeah. And it's pretty plain. They put it in nice pretty charts and graphs and everything. It's not very difficult to understand. And I, I'm not or kidding. Hard to find. It, it really is eat bugs. I know. That, is, that really is their solution. And if you're into that, well, okay. <laughs> no. Mealworms for me, no thanks. <laughs> the chickens... Love the meal. The meal. Worms. The chickens love mealworms. I I don't want to just do that. Thinking of the smell in Korea of them cooking those bugs, those bugs on the street they do. side. They eat bugs and Ooh, in some. Oh, it smells. It honestly, smells like cat pee. It does when they're. So, yeah, junk journalism. I think you called it fake news. I did. Yeah, it was very. It was spot on. Yeah, spot on. Can't believe everything you read. That's the truth. Dude, do do two or three more clicks. Yeah, right? Just find out where the money's coming from. Please do not do, just, I can't say do not. Be leery whenever you're reading something that all of a sudden says eggs are bad again. It's like, dude, we've done this with the meat. We've done this with the eggs. That's like trying to get us to put on a mask again. <laughs> nope. You know, yeah, like you, you did it once. Fool me once. Yeah, there there is a a, a website that I would recommend. And Absolutely, the, the Nutrition Coalition for Dietary Policy based on sound science. Yeah, it is a nonprofit, nonpartisan educational organization. So, and that's that's yeah, there's that's no money. One, yeah, that's one that would if folks are interested in where yeah. where to go with nutrition. You'll put that in the show notes. I could do that. That would be great. Okay. Yeah, that's a it's a good place to go check yeah. out. And, yeah, um, they they're they're looking at like one of the things that they do is try to influence the government on its 
food policies um, because it really pyramid is really kind of made us sick it really matters for one thing you've got school lunches you've got military meals you have seniors meals like all of these things that are supported right by the government have to follow whatever the government's guidelines are for food Mm -hmm. and when they're listening to junk science like this harvard study you end up with people sick yeah. Um, anyway, so well, that kind of leads us into next week. Oh, a teaser for next week is yeah. we will not have a guest next week, but we will be here chatting, and we're going to discuss food and our journey. Yeah, with our way of eating, how we eat, why we eat the way we eat, the story, the backstory, the whole thing, and how it has affected us. Yeah. Over yeah. the years. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been a few years, and it has. It has had a <laughs> a big effect. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's good. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the big effect is we have a whole farm. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the, you know, yeah. the, we got all the way to, we'll grow it. Let's just go grow some. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. You're welcome. For sharing your story. That is not a... That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Very yeah, brave. We, we talked last week about Michaela being brave as an 11-year-old showing up in front of the cameras. You displayed a lot of bravery as well, talking about things that aren't easy to discuss and Thanks. sharing the hard times to get to a message of hope. So yeah. we, we really appreciate that. that yeah. That's really, really huge. You're Bra- welcome. Brave. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys again for listening and watching if you are continuing to enjoy it. If you have not already, please subscribe, hit the like button and make a comment, uh, especially to Rebecca um, about her, her journey. Um, If you are, I don't know, struggling in a place where you are, please. um, I don't know. Reach out to someone that you know that you can trust and would support you through that. And get the support, you know, don't be ashamed of the way that you're feeling in your brain and go ask those people that you know would support you to get behind you in your journey to waking up and showing up for yourself every single day. That's right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Well, until next week. Bye y'all. Bye y'all. Bye y'all.